0: Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Psalm 27 called The Lord is My Light.
1: Just like David says, the Lord is my shepherd, In Psalm 23, in Psalm 27, he says, the Lord is my light. He leads me, he guides me, he illumines my life. In fact, his word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path, Psalm 119, 105. And the reason why the word of God is light is because it comes from the God who is light. I've told you this story before, but many years ago, we we had some young boys who were from the African Children's Choir, and we had them stay over at our house. And we had a bunch of host families way back in the day in our church. And the kids were still young. And uh, we had, I think, three boys, three African boys stay at our house. And we got to drive them to a couple places to have ice cream and stuff. And they, they were part of the choir, so they liked to sing. And they were in the backseat of my car. And they broke out into song. He is your light. He is my light. And they started singing in the back of the car, He is your light. And they would call everybody Uncle. Uncle Michael, listen to the song. He is your light. He is my light. And we're all in the car. Oh, yeah, baby. Here we go. And whenever I would drive them somewhere, they would say, Thank you, Uncle Michael, for driving us somewhere. And may God richly bless you. And then I looked at my kids and I said, Do you see that? Do <laughs> you hear that? They're blessing me wherever I drive them. This is amazing. Anyway, <laughs> I love you guys. You guys are very polite young men. Never mind. Jesus is my light. And because that's true, look at the result. Here's the question that you should ask yourself. If the Lord is your light, if you're saved out of the kingdom of darkness into his marvelous light, then whom shall you fear? Or could I put it another way? Why Why are you so afraid? If the Lord is your light, if you really believe he's going to write... He's written the beginning, the middle, and the end of the story. Why are you so afraid? You know, there's a lot of Christians today that operate their whole lives in fear. And if you let fear immobilize you, then the enemy has you exactly where he wants you. See, I don't have to fear because I know in whom I've trusted. Now, there's times when I'm afraid, certainly. Fear is a is an emotion that we deal with. It's a reaction to circumstances. But I think we need to ask ourselves: if we believe the first part of verse one, then we should say, then whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. He's my protection, my stronghold. Whom shall I dread? In the book of Romans uh, chapter eight, verse 31, it says, if God is for us, who can be against this? Do you believe that? Do you believe that's true or do you believe that's just a Bible verse that you quote? <laughs> it's true. But here's where we need the light of God's word to help us when we are being invaded by the darkness of fear. David says, when evildoers came upon me to devour, 1 Peter 5, 8 says the, the uh, devil goes about as a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Here, David says, evildoers were looking to Eat me up or devour my flesh, my adversaries and my enemies, what happened to them? They stumbled and they fell. Though a host encamped against me, and David certainly had that as Saul's army was searching for him, and Absalom had an army that would go after him. He said, Though I had a whole host, a whole army against me, encamped, ready to battle the next day, if you will, my heart will not fear though war arise against me, here's that word against again, in spite of this, what's David say? I shall be confident. One thing I've asked from the Lord, and that I shall seek or seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold or gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple or his tabernacle. As I was studying this, I was thinking that David, through the power of the Holy Spirit, just gave us a clue as to why he's confident, even in the worst of times. Because he moves his gaze off of his circumstances and on to God. I mentioned to you that when we studied the the little exhortation in 1 Thessalonians 5, where it says to pray always or pray without ceasing, I told you that that word in Greek can be defined as a Godward gaze. It doesn't mean that you're not going about your day or driving in your car or doing your work or whatever it may be. But on a deeper level, there's a gaze that is fixed on God. It's it's a turning your eyes away. And I use eyes in quotes here because it's not always possible to turn away from something. But it's, it's turning your heart to God. Worship, please hear me well. Worship at its root, if you were to break down the definition of worship, it means to draw near to God. Worship is to draw near. When you're not worshiping, you're far away. When you're worshiping, you draw near. And James 4.8 says, when you draw near to God, he will what? He will draw near to you. The essential idea of worship is to draw near. So think about it. Uh, On a Sunday morning, We come together. We have a couple of church services. And the intent of walking into a building like this is not to, uh, you know, check a box or anything like that. It's for us to collectively do what? To draw near to God and to draw near to one another. That's why corporate worship is so important. Because if you try to worship uh, through a screen, even though that's helpful. I know we have some people that have joined us tonight. It's, it still can't fully substitute for corporate worship because corporate worship is not only drawing near to God, that's the most important thing, but we come near to one another and we approach the throne of grace. We draw near with boldness to the throne of grace that we might find mercy and help in time of need. And there are people who help us draw near. Uh, God gives us people in our lives that might encourage us. We might have a teacher or a worship leader or a Sunday school teacher, or maybe we have somebody greet us before we even enter into the sanctuary that helped me draw near. And essentially what they helped me do is fix my gaze back on God because there's a lot of things that distract us in this world, amen? (laughs) A lot of things that get our attention, a lot of things that we get consumed by, and worship at its core is to refix your gaze on Jesus, who's the author and perfecter of your faith. Amen? Amen. And this, this is the battle that we have. That's why uh, we, we've talked a lot about different ways that you can get yourself in the spirit, so to speak. David's giving us a clue that when we're overwhelmed by fear, when we have difficulty, instead of making a list of all these things that we could do and we We tend to do that. We we Americans like bullet point lists and we like our plans. But I want you to see in verse four, there's a key phrase. David says one thing, one thing. And I couldn't help but think of the Martha and Mary story that you all know well in Luke chapter 10. Because when Jesus corrects Martha for being all freaked out and mad at her sister and all of that, he said only one thing is necessary and your sister chose the better part what was mary doing remember what she was doing she was at jesus's feet drinking in his word see the the one thing that you need in your life that's really going to make the difference really going to kind of move your heart from fear to faith is worship and the object of your worship of course is the god who is light and so david says one thing i've asked from the lord and not only have I asked him, I'm going to do what? I'm going to seek it. Sometimes what we do is we, you know, like uh, when Moses is praying and, and God says to Moses, uh, what are you doing praying? Move forward, right? The sea's open, man. All right, you, you've prayed, now go. And Jesus says in Matthew 7:7, ask, seek, and knock, and the door will be opened. See, a lot of us Christians are good at asking. We're not so good at seeking, and we certainly aren't very good at knocking. But there is a progression, even in how Jesus taught us to pray. Ask, seek, knock. God wants you to seek him. He says, so I'm going to ask I've asked the Lord and I'll seek it that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Now in Psalm 23, verse six, David said, uh, surely I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I think that's more like a thought of heaven. Here, it's all the days of my life. So here, it's it's the idea that this is possible in my earthly pilgrimage to behold middle of four or gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple, or at this point, it would be more specifically his tabernacle. David wanted to build the temple, but Solomon was the one who built it. Worship is to draw near, especially, you could say, in times of difficulty. Paul writes from prison in Philippians 4, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, what will it do? It will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. And then he goes on to say, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's anything excellency, anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. It's all about your focus. It's all about what you seek. Worship is to draw near. It's to say, Lord, I want to gaze on your beauty. Now, some of you, you see verses like this and you're like, oh, all right, wait, wait a minute. Blueprints, please. Because how do you gaze on the beauty of one who is a spirit? And if there is no temple here and there was kind of a, a moving tabernacle at the time, how is it that David, who wasn't a priest, would find himself gazing on the beauty of the Lord? How, what does that look like? How do you... Find the face of God because you're going to see here that David is going to say that God wants us to seek his face. God is the ultimate beauty in the universe. Notice he says to behold the beauty of the Lord in the Meditia in his temple.
0: You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment.
1: If you just tuned in, then you missed the first half of today's edition of Walk in Truth. That's okay. You can listen to this episode and many others whenever it's convenient for you on your free Living Truth app. Walk in Truth is also on your favorite podcast app. Simply search for and subscribe to Walk in Truth on apps like Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Player FM, Google Podcast, Stitcher, and many more. Listening to a podcast as well as radio is a great way to get some time in the word when you're walking, catching up on some work, Or if you're like me and just need to listen to some Bible teaching while getting ready in the morning, remember, you can find Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. It's the...
1: Say, Lord, I want to gaze on your beauty. Now, some of you, you see verses like this and you're like, oh, right. wait wait a minute. Blueprints, please. Because how do you gaze on the beauty of one who is a spirit? And if there is no temple here and there was kind of a, a moving tabernacle at the time, how is it that David, who wasn't a priest, would find himself gazing on the beauty of the Lord? How, what does that look like? How do you find the face of God? Because you're going to see here that David is going to say that God wants us to seek his face. God is the ultimate beauty in the universe. Notice he says, um, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. You know, beauty uh, is, is something that's such an uh, incredible thing. Uh, the, I think it was last night or the night before, Someone was pointing out the sky, and uh, I don't know if you guys saw the sky the other night, but it was uh, this incredible uh, sunset, and it was hard to take your eyes off of it because the sun was streaming through these cloud formations, and it was kind of like shooting off here and there, and the colors were brilliant, and I was trying to take a picture with my little phone, and then I took some video of it. It never does it justice, Right? But the Lord is the beautiful one. He's the most beautiful being in the universe. And I think that for us as Christians, us appreciating the beauty in nature. uh, I remember uh, some years ago, I had a chance to speak at a uh, men's conference, and I was talking about how God is seen in creation that Uh, You know, in the universe that he made, day after day, it pours forth speech, night after night, it displays knowledge that God can be seen in what he made. And I said, you know, what's interesting? I said, we can see God in the stars and in the sun and the moon and perhaps a snow-capped mountain or a beautiful bird. Or I remember I was at a I think I was at a golf course recently and I saw this beautiful blue jay. Its color was so bright. And beautiful. And I said, okay, it was a men's conference. I said, I want you to think of a beautiful woman. Hopefully, it's your wife. Don't lust. But God has made some beautiful creatures, has He not? And an appreciation of beauty is okay. You don't want to cross the line as a man, and we got to be careful here, right? Or as a woman. But God has made an incredibly beautiful world. And it's an extension of his beauty. Take this in the best sense, okay? The world is an extension of his beauty. His splendor is on display. In the book of Ruth, uh, Naomi is one of the main characters. And her name, her name uh, connects with the root word for beauty. Naomi means pleasant. But remember, as the story goes on, she says, don't call me Naomi anymore. Call me Mara, which means what? Bitter, because I've had a lot of bitterness in my life. But her name actually means pleasant, and that's what the idea of beauty is here. And here's the implication. Whenever you draw near to God, you are going to find pleasantness. You're going to find beauty. When you gaze upon the Lord, all the cares of the world grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and praise and grace. Amen? See, this is what God wants you to do. The old hymn, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim. See, this is what we need. This is what worship is. And people who have found how to worship God, even, you know, you can have two different people who, will get in their vehicle tonight and one will be walking with the Lord and one may not. There'll be a bunch of people who wake up in this city tomorrow morning. Some will be worshipers of God and some will not. And it's not that God is not available to all of us and to all believers. It will be whether or not you decide or, and I decide to seek his face. One experience I'll tell you that I had some years ago uh, I believe that the spiritual gifts are for today and the gift of tongues is a mystery to me. And I, I know that there's a lot of people who fake it and a lot of people who abuse it and it's out of order, but I, I have heard it done in order where it's beautiful. And so one night I was laying on my bed and I, and I just was praying and I just said, Lord, I'm just seeking your face right now. I wanna know you. I wanna know you. I don't wanna play church I don't want to go through the motions. I want to know you. And there was something that came in my mind. It wasn't even verbally out of my lips that I believe was a gift of language from God. And I tell you, it startled me. It's the one time it's ever I could say, genuinely, I know it happened in my life. It startled me. I was like, whoa, that was not from me. What was that? I don't even know what it meant. But I felt like the Lord just gave me a little... Taste of I am here, I know you, I know your name, I know your heart, and because you decided to seek me, I let you find me, because I'm not far. You know, in Acts 17, when Paul's preaching up on Mars Hill and he is addressing the people of Athens, Greece, he says, you know, God is not far from each one of us. And he said that really to a group of pagan philosophers. God, God is nearer than we think. You know, this whole, the dimensions in which we live and how heaven works and how God can be omnipresent, these are some pretty radical ideas. They're hard for the human mind to understand. And there's, I've heard people talk about dimensions and that kind of thing. But somehow God in his power and in, and in his omnipresence can hear a prayer of a guy in Corona, California who's just saying, Lord, I want to know you. I don't get how he could hear my prayer and your prayer at the same time, but he does. And he touched me back. And it was as if he said, Michael, I know you and you know me. And that's really all that matters in the end. Jesus said, this is eternal life, that they may know you The only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Eternal life is to know the sender and the sent one. The sent one is the visible manifestation of the invisible God. That verse is not saying that Jesus is not God. It's just saying that you need to know the sender through the sent one, God in human flesh. Amen. Amen. This one thing is what we need Splendor and majesty are before him. Psalm ninety six six. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. He is beautiful. Everything in his temple says glory, glory, glory. I tell you, this world can be an ugly place. I know we had a vice presidential debate tonight. I, I saw a little bit of it before I came in here. Uh, you, some of you saw the presidential debate. Some of you have... I've had a lot of people tell me, and can you guys check the air in the back? You might want to flip the air on, Nathan. Nathan, can you hear me now? I think we need the air condition flipped on. Thank you. I'm not preaching on hell, otherwise that we'd be good. <laughs> or the day of the Lord or anything like that. I've had a lot of people tell me that they've gotten off of Facebook. That they, I've had several people tell me in the last week or two, I'm no longer on social media. <laughs> And I was like, why? Well, it's just getting ugly. (laughs) It's getting ugly, right? It can be a very ugly world. People can be very ugly. And the only way to combat that is to turn your eyes to the beautiful one. He is beautiful. This world can be ugly. Um, When my wife and I got married, we chose a couple songs for our first dance. And uh, one of them was, uh, What a Beautiful World. And, you know, I think the more you walk with God, the more you can see beauty in people that maybe you lacked. Amen? (laughs) When you're walking in the flesh, it's very difficult. But the more you have the light of the Lord, the more you can see people through His eyes, which is beautiful. I was mentioning my wife and I because our first dance was, uh, what a beautiful world. Oh, yeah. Anyway. Anyway. For in the day of trouble, 5, Psalm 27, he, God, will conceal me in his tabernacle. When I I have my gaze on him, here's what happens. In the secret place, you can write down Psalm ninety-one-one, of his tent he will hide me. He will lift me up on a rock. And now my head will be lifted up above my enemies or my circumstances, you might say, around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. We offer God the sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name.
0: You've been listening to The Lord Is My Light, part two on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Psalm 27. Remember, if you missed any part of today's program, you can always listen to Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please follow Walk in Truth on social media. Walk in Truth is on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Follow us at Walk in Truth Show. Now, here's Pastor Michael.
1: Well, I'm so grateful to celebrate the Lord being our light. Every believer, the Lord is our light. And it's so good to bask in his light. Hey, we got on radio to spread the light of the gospel. And uh, that's... It's such a privilege to do that. Well, we've added a few new stations, uh, thankfully, because of our partners. And those stations are WUCG and WCDG, and uh, they are in Georgia, and they're an extension of today's Christian country. They've added some stations. Now we're aboard on those stations, and we are going to be on KEPT on a primetime spot in the San Francisco Bay Area, San Jose Area area. We are so excited and so grateful. We're celebrating what God is doing, giving Him the glory, and thanking you for partnering with us. Well, I've been telling you about our special 2B1 Valentine game night, and it is tonight, February the 12th. It's going to be a fun night of games, prizes, desserts, fellowship for all couples over 18, whether you're dating, engaged, or married. Yeah, it's only $10. We're going to have fellowship, dessert, Just a fun, relaxing night. And we even have childcare if you need it. But you need to sign up on the Living Truth app today. Download the app in your app store, Living Truth Christian Fellowship, red logo with the pillars. Download it. You can sign up. Or you may want to do this since it is the day of. Call 844-48-TRUTH, 844-48-TRUTH, so that we know that you're coming. We appreciate it. God bless you. Hey, have a wonderful weekend. Enjoy the Valentine's Day weekend, and we will catch you here on Monday. God bless you.
0: And join us on Monday for the conclusion of Pastor Michael's message in Psalm 27 called, The Lord is My Life. I'm Mike Massaro. Hey, have a fantastic weekend. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.